they be watching us We so prosperous, ain't no stopping us Ain't no topping us, they be watching us We so prosperous I think right now the Raptors are in the position where they can turn things around with one win, basically. Uh, so as soon as they get back on track, then we will be watching the Raptors of recent years, basically. Uh, but if I had to rate my level of panic or concern, if you will, from a scale of 1 to 10, I'm right in the middle with a 5, to be honest. Like, I'm not worried to the point where we're going to go on this like huge-ass losing slip and be like a lottery team. But at the same time, you want to align yourself at the top of the conference when a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, for example, are not necessarily free-falling, but they're struggling in their own right as well. So you want to strike while the iron is hot. So that's the level of concern that I'm at. And also, I'm just a little bit concerned because of the fact that the Raptors are kind of falling into old habits. Uh, One of their... Not even one, but their biggest habit is the fact that they kind of slack off on defense a little bit. Now, as far as their defensive rating in the league, they're around 18th to 19th. So they're just a little bit below the middle of the pack. But at the same time, when you have a coach like Dwayne Casey who prides himself on being a defensive specialist, um, then you're almost wondering, you know, are his words not getting to the to the team? Um, are there some strategies that he's not implementing? Like what's happening right now? What I notice when it comes to the Raptors in their defense is the fact that it slumps a lot when it comes to their rebounding. Uh, rebounding, they kind of get killed when they're on the glass. And also when it comes to zone defense as well, they get killed in swing type of situations as well. Um, especially when you see Jonas Valanciunas, who's not even able to cover his defender on a pick-and-roll scenario, which is usually a big man just going out for the corner three-pointer, for example, like we saw with, uh, with uh, Marcus Gasol against Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday night. We kind of get into those situations where we're like, okay, we have to pick up the defensive intensity. And then other times, even on offense, despite the fact that we're one of the higher-ranked teams in offensive efficiency, uh, there are times where we where we miss open jumpers, like jumpers that we that we would normally hit on any given moment. And the old phrase, live by the jumper, die by the jumper, is heavily personified by the Raptors in this recent slump. So I can understand why people are panicked and concerned, but I don't think it's enough panic for us to hit that red panic button right now. So I think one win will just kind of turn things around and then we'll notice a sense of urgency and almost a sense of desperateness, if you will, from the Raptors once they get that one win under the belt. And hopefully it'll come tonight uh, as they're facing off against the Milwaukee Bucks. Last I checked, I think the Raptors were up by seven or eight points. So, so far, so good. So hopefully they can keep that up. Now, going to the Cleveland Cavaliers, as I said I would earlier. Uh, So LeBron James has been making a lot of headlines recently uh, with uh, some comments that he's been making towards the press. Now, the the Cavaliers have lost six of their last eight games, uh, some in close fashion, some not so close. And they even lost to teams that are a bit lower than them, like the... uh, like the New Orleans Pelicans without Anthony Davis, their star player. They also lost to the Sacramento Kings the other night. And that basically prompted LeBron James to air out basically anyone not named Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving and also air out the management and say that they need a backup point guard. He kept on complaining about how the team is top-heavy, they're top-heavy, and how the owners need to do their due diligence and spend more money to get more players. Now, here's the thing about LeBron James. So we all know that LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. That's No one's disputing that. And then we also know that LeBron James also has a bit of control on his side as far as, you know, 
coaching the team like on on the court of course but then also he kind of has his hand in management as well where a lot of people kind of have mixed feelings about that now in this scenario i feel like lebron james is almost taking liberties because of the fact that he's accusing the ownership of not spending enough money but in the reality of the situation the Cleveland Cavaliers have the highest payroll in NBA history. They're about $57 million over the luxury tax. So luxury tax is basically a penalty that the team has to pay if they go over their spending cap. And they've done that. I mean, think about it like this. When Tristan Thompson was a free agent and he wanted to resign, they resigned him for $82 million under the request of LeBron James. They resigned uh, J.R. Smith under the request of LeBron James. They re-signed Kevin Love for $113 million over the next five years under the request of LeBron James. So do you see where I'm going with this? I mean, they even fired their coach, David Blatt, midway through last season, despite them having a record of 30-11, and 11, being, the, being the best team in the Eastern Conference record-wise. Yet, they still fired him anyway and put Tyron Liu at the helm of the head coaching position. So what I'm trying to say is LeBron James has requested so much from the Cavaliers organization, and they've given all that they can give him on a silver platter. I mean, they even traded for Cal Corver maybe like two or three weeks ago, basically. And even then, that still wasn't enough to uh, satisfy LeBron's acquiescence, so to speak. So now they're asking for a backup point guard. And I get that. I understand that you say you need help. You say you, you and Kyrie need to take time off of the floor because you guys are spending... 40-plus minutes on the court, and that's going to do a lot to your body come playoff time. But at the same time, you can't say that this team isn't spending enough money. I mean, they're not a big market team. They're one of the smallest markets in America. They won That city won a title for the first time in 50 years, basically. If this was L.A. or New York or Chicago, for example, that would be a different story. But you get, but you going into you know last season actually or the season before that when we first came to Cleveland you knew that you're going to a situation where you're playing for a small market team and that the budget would be limited but you know lo and behold Dan uh Dan Dan Gilbert and ownership have gone well above and beyond you know to appease you and you're still kind of throwing shade at them if you want to go and confront them and say hey we need more players we need more players that's fine but don't do it in front of the cameras. Don't do it in front of the press because it's a bad look. It kind of, in the words of my, in my boy Jamal, uh, <laughs> Jamal Seaton, it looks, it makes you look like a beggarman, basically. <laughs> so do that behind closed doors. And then as far as calling out your teammates, like there's not enough support, there's not enough support. I mean, come on, that's not fair to guys like DeAndre Liggins, for example, or whomever the other uh, backup point guards are. You knew going into the season that. You're going to lose Mo Williams due to retirement, and that you lost um, Matthew Delavadova due to uh, him signing with another team. And even him, he's not your your resolution or your solution for a backup point guard. I mean, he's I'm sorry, but he's not that good. And as a backup point guard, like come on now, like there's better backup point guards in the league right now, better than him. If you're looking for a playmaker, he's not your playmaker. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think LeBron James, he's kind of taking his liberties a little too far. We know you run the team. We know you have the Cleveland Cavaliers by the balls because the moment you leave, they're going to be almost irrelevant within the next year or so. We get that. But at the same time, let them handle your their business and you handle your business on the court because like you said time and time again, you are the best basketball player in the world. So act like you're the best basketball player in the world and step your game up. Because at the end of the day, you're not the only one going through problems. The Bulls are going through problems. Toronto Raptors are going through problems right now. Hell, 
Golden State Warriors, they, not, they may not be going through problems, but they knew that signing Kevin Durant, they would have to make a lot of cuts so that they can make a, enough room within the budget to supplement his contract. So much to the point where they have no interior defense. Kevin Durant is now the best defender on that team as far as shot-blocking presence is concerned. And he wasn't even known at the time before signing to Golden State as a defensive stopper. But he had to fill in that role because of the sacrifices that the head office had to make in order to supplement him into the lineup contract-wise and employer-wise and all that stuff. So LeBron, stop complaining. You're the best player in the world. Act like it. Make it happen on the court. They'll make it happen in the boardroom. But what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio or drop a comment on the Facebook Live video that we're shooting right now to share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, we have our topic of the day, man. We got to talk about a woman who is a part of the York District School Council, a white woman, who called a black person the N-word? That's right, people. Trump is, is, has now been inaugurated, and, and some racist white people are now running wild on everyone's candy ass. So we will get into that. But before we do, we got to play some music, man. We got to play some music from my man who goes by the name of Dave East. And this one is called Type Of. So we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. You're now tuned into Cool Radio. And once again, also for the people who are just tuning in, we are also live on Facebook right now. So make sure you go to the Cool Radio fan page, which is facebook.com slash CC to watch your boy do his thing live on camera right now. So... As promised, man, we got to get into this one topic that I found out about just a couple of days ago, actually, and I really want to discuss it. Uh, with this, you know, with Trump now inaugurated and a lot of people talking about race as a hot button issue, um, race isn't just exclusive to America. It, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. Even in good old Canada, Canada, AO Canada, oil never happened here in Canada. That's impossible. Take it from a person of color. It happens. It definitely happens. And in the York region, it's definitely no exception because there is a story going around that a member of the York region school district who is a trustee who goes by the name of Nancy LG used the N-word towards a parent during a public meeting. So here's how it went down. So actually, you know what? The funny thing is we don't know how – like anyone outside of the whole story doesn't really know how it went down, what the context of the situation was, why she brought up that word to that person in, uh, in question. But in, nonetheless, it happened. So basically, she's an 82-year-old woman, and she has been on the board ever since 2000. So about, what, 17 years now, give or take. Um, and she used it towards uh, a parent who goes by the name of Charlene Grant during a public meeting last November. So November of 2016, that's when it happened. So here's a, here's a kicker right here. So she denied her usage of that word, basically. She denied and stuck to that story. And she said the following, and I quote, there's no merit in the accusation. So you're basically trying to tell the people that you didn't say a word. That's what she, that's what, that's what she told media members, basically. So because of that, they, uh, the people, so the, so the person in question, Charlene, uh, Charlene Grant, the person who was called the N-word, uh, she conducted an investigation. She convinced other people to join within the investigation as well. Um, and then it was basically found out that she did uh, in fact, say those words, basically. And because she said those words, uh, 
she had to basically issue out a statement, you know, apologizing for her actions. Now, not only that, but on top of that, there are also there was also a petition that was going around, and it was uh, signed with thirteen hundred signatures, asking for her resignation. All right. Now, here's probably the most disrespecting disrespecting part of it all. The most disrespectful uh, part of it all, other than her calling the woman an N-word, of course, was the fact that she did not show up to a hearing in regards to this to formally apologize. She just left it in a letter, and that was it. She didn't show up to the hearing at all. And her excuse was um, her head was hurting, therefore she was too ill to show up to the meeting. So you're basically trying to say that this entire situation wasn't worth your time. Therefore, you're going to call in sick just so you don't have to face the music or face your potential firing, basically. Real class act, sweetheart. Real class act. That's like an athlete saying, oh, I can't make it on the field today because of flu-like symptoms. When we all know flu-like symptoms means that you went to a bar last night, you got drunk with all your teammates and all that good stuff. That's basically what that means. But anyways, I digress. So here's the thing about, about, about this entire situation. Um, when it was found out that she called a parent the N-word, she should have been fired immediately. I don't, I don't know why she still has a job right now. Unless if I'm wrong and they fired her maybe like 30 minutes ago, please let me know. But the fact that this woman still has a job in York District uh, for the school board, there's no excuse for that. Like this type of behavior is not tolerated. Absolutely not. Now, I don't know what kind of context she used it in, if she was quoting somebody or something to the extent, but Miss Grant clearly stated that she was called the N-word. So it's not like she was quoting that from a book or anything like that. And it's not like she was using it in some sort of, you know, jovial context in the sense of, hey, what's happening in my... N-? I don't think it was that. I sincerely doubt it was that. So my thing is this. You have a person of color who was called the N-word. The person who called her the N-word was a person who works on your board, who has been a part of your board ever since the year 2000. This person is 80 years old and they're whites. Let them go. Give them their walking papers if you have to, but let them go. Like You do not need that type of person representing the brand that you are trying to establish within your district, within your region. And keep in mind that York region is a melting pot of different ethnic backgrounds, basically. It's not like it's not like uh, uh, Halton region where it's like majority white or anything like that. But even if that were the case, that still wouldn't make it right. It just makes it a bit much more – it makes it much more alarming because you did it in an area that is filled with more than your, I guess, I don't know, normal amount of minorities depending on what you're kind of measuring it against. But nonetheless, that should be intolerable. I don't care if Trump is president, whatever. Any type of, you know, racial slurs being thrown at another individual because of some sort of form of disagreement is not acceptable at all. I mean, you guys are the board of educators, basically. You guys, your role in the community is to teach, to employ people to teach basic life skills that they're going to carry on in their future when they grow into teenagers and adults and so on and so forth. Yet you have a person on the board who's 82 years old, who has lived through some shit and has seen some shit. She was probably alive when Jim Crow was around for all we know. Yet you still have her on the board 
For what reason? She called a woman the N-word. I, I don't know. It's beyond me. Like, I don't know if she has shares, like stockholder shares, or if she's banging someone who's a, of a higher ranking uh, than she is, but you guys need to fix that. You guys need to fix that because parents don't feel safe when they have someone like that who has that much power, basically. They, they don't feel assured that their, that their educational system is in the, the good hands of somebody who's literally going to say anything what they want, anything that they want towards any, any person that they want at any given time. It does not make sense that this person is still employed by the district. She should have been fired, you know, within days of it happening, basically. But we are in January of 2017, and this happened in November. Why is she still being employed right now? So some people may want to um, – they may want to give her a pass because – they may say something like, oh, she's old or and she doesn't know any better and maybe her head is hurting. Maybe she's going through a case of dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that. The fact that she's 82 years old means that she should already know the difference between right and wrong right now. She's had so much life experience, especially of a woman of her age. She should already know that it's wrong to call somebody the N-word. I want to know what possesses somebody in their senior years to use that type of language. And... Knowing that they are the age that they are, they've seen and experienced some things, and I, I like I don't I I don't want to hear people use any type of excuse for her because at the end of the day, even if she doesn't know that much about black culture, the fact that you're an educator, how about you use that to educate yourself, learn about why it's wrong to use that word towards somebody. The only time anyone outside of the black community should use that word is in regards to you either teaching about it or to you referencing it in a book or some sort of uh, document of some sort. If it says in a book that you're reading, um, he was called the N-word or something like that. Basically, you guys know what I'm talking about. Either way, you should not be using that type of language towards anyone. So I guarantee if this was a case of somebody who was being called you know, a, uh, a racial slur for, let's say, Jewish people, for example, and the victim was, in fact, of Jewish descent, they they would have handled that immediately. But for whatever reason, because it's somebody who's black or they would deem as African-Canadian or whatever the case may be, they want to take their sweet time with it. And I think that's just utterly disrespectful, especially when you have 1,300 signatures calling for this person's resignation. I don't understand why the school board isn't doing their due diligence to get this person, you know, fired from their position. It makes no sense at all. And then on top of that, it's like her not even showing up to the hearing or the meeting or whatever. It just goes to show that, you know, privilege is alive and well in any scenario. And in this case, it's white privilege. Like you are, you know, kind of laughing or gawking at the fact, you know, theoretically that you called a, a, a black parent the N-word. You, you write some phony apology you know, the apology that you had to write up when you were, you know, discovered in using that word that you denied. And then you basically don't show up because you have a head injury or something like that. Did somebody whack her upside the head with a baseball bat? Like, I want to know. I want to see the medical report. I want to see a doctor's note when she comes back the next day for work. So my thing is this, man. 
there is a lot of ignorance in this world. There's a lot of ignorance happening, and, th- and this especially a lot of ignorance happens in Canada as well. We are not good old, you know, goody two shoes as everyone else likes to think. There is some shit that happens in our nation that we are not proud of. All right, and racism is one of those things. Now, racism in the sense of systemic racism, it could be racism in the sense of people using racial slurs towards one another if they if they disagree with them. Whatever the case may be. It happens in Canada. We are not perfect. We are not exempt from that. People want to want to cry and say, oh, my gosh, I would never imagine it would happen in Canada. We're so much better than the Americans. Oh, oh, you're, you're just seeing things. You're just you're damn right. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing reality. <coughs> Pardon me, because at the end of the day, if you are a person of color, you're going to see so much more things than the person who is not of color. And that is called privilege in regards to somebody who's white. Now, that does not make you a racist. It does not make you a racist at all. It just means that you are given the benefit of doubt before anyone of color is. It just means that you are not going to experience any type of turmoil in regards to, you know, placing within society or anything of that sort because you are white. White is the, white is the majority, basically. You are not going to feel some sort of stigma you know, towards yourself. The only type of stigma you may feel is if if it's uh, a stigma of, of uh, ethnic proportions. So if you're an Italian individual, for example, and someone uses an Italian-specific slur towards you, then you're going to feel that impact. You know what I mean? It's not like, like for black people, for example, we don't have that privilege. Like if someone calls, if someone calls me a nigger, whether I'm Jamaican, Ghanaian, Nigerian, Congolese, Trinidadian, we're all going to feel it. Nigger impacts everyone who is black. That's the that's the bottom line. So we don't have that type of privilege, or any person of color for that matter doesn't have that privilege. If an Asian person gets called the c word, I don't want to I don't want to use that word, you know, out of respect. But if they get called that c word, then all Asians feel it. If you know someone who is of Indian descent gets called a Paki, for example, part of my language, then. People who are of South Southeast Asian descent are going to feel that all over because it classifies all people within that region for whatever reason. It, it makes no sense to me. So going back to this story specifically and, you know, people kind of denying that racism is, is happening in Canada, I think you need to stop looking at America's definition of, of racism because theirs is all over the place. And they need to realize that racism does happen here in Canada as well because of the fact that there are people who are of minorities who live in Canada as well. And they get marginalized to the 10th degree in comparison to everyone else. Systemic racism is a thing. Racism in general has so many faces, all right? It's not just it's, – it's more than just calling somebody a nigger. It's the way you treat somebody. It's the way people are classified based on – um, how ethnic sounding their names are like that may determine whether or not they get a job that may determine whether or not, you know, they are placed within a certain position within a job or how much money they're going to make because of that. That is called systemic racism. That is basically when you're taking racism and you're organizing it into different factions. Basically that is the most dangerous kind of racism because that could, that could basically place roadblocks in front of your life. So I would, I would like for anyone who is not that educated on how racism has so many different faces to educate yourself on that because once you do then you'll realize what a lot of people of color are going through within this nation basically and i don't want to hear people 
compare one situation to another that creates a false equivalence because at the end of the day, you just can't do that. You know, I've had some people say, you know, black people always complaining how they get pulled over by the police all the time. Well, I got pulled over because, you know, I'm a woman and my taillight, you know, was out, this and that, whatever. It's a false equivalence at the end of the day, man. At the end of the day, you're still white. You're still not you're not gonna be given that type of prejudice because of the fact that you are white. Again, that doesn't mean you're racist. It just means that you have what's called white privilege. And that generally means that you're given the benefit of the doubt. And that is a privilege that people of color do not have. And in this situation, uh, this woman, Nancy LG, she has that privilege. I mean, she abused her privilege to the point where she didn't even show up for a, for a hearing about this case. That's like the star of a movie not showing up on set for shooting, basically. So I'll leave that, I'll leave that with you guys. What do you guys think? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Do you do you do not understand where I'm coming from? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio or drop a comment under this video and let me know what you guys think. Coming up after the commercial break, man, we got trip talks. That's three topics in three minutes each. We got to talk about Jay-Z showing support for the Women's March. We got to, you got to talk about Drake uh, wanting to pursue more acting roles after his, late, after his next album. And we got to talk about Birdman, you know, making the latest claim on Young Thug, all that and more. But before we get to all that, I got to get to my homegirl, the divine one herself, Divine Brown. And she dropped this beautiful single um back in january of 20 or sorry november of 2016 and it's called love alibi so keep it locked this is cool radio we'll be right back after these messages yo <laughs> maximum fm hip-hop like us on facebook what up what up what up y'all once again it is your man dm cool and this is cool radio welcome back to the show people uh now during the commercial break we had a little bit of technical difficulties going on with the live video um so i had to switch it from the cool radio page to my facebook page so if you are on facebook right now look for daniel mante m-a-n-t-e and you can watch the broadcast live once again so i thank y'all for following with me on that but definitely we're going to go back into the thick of things um so yeah yeah, so it's time for Trip Talk, people. So that's three topics in three minutes, and we're going to dive into it just like this. Here we go now. So first topic on the list, man, we got to talk about Jay-Z. Now, Jay-Z was in the news because he was all in for his support of the Women's March that happened, okay? So it was a big thing that happened. Lots of women came from all over the world to show their support for their fellow female, and rightfully so. So lots of people were tweeting about it, uh, posting on social media about it, all that good stuff. I even had a few friends who are on my Facebook list who went over to Washington to do their due diligence and show their support. So respect to all of you ladies and all you men out there who were supporting their fellow women as well. That's big right there. So Jay-Z was one of the men who supported as well. I don't know if he was actually at the event, but he did talk about it briefly. And this is what he said in an interview, and I quote, <clears throat> We have to organize. I've been in these meetings, I've spoken with people, I've done many things behind the scenes, but most important, we are the power. I'm sure a lot of you guys participate in it, but that display of woman power the other day was so amazing, and we saw the effect that no matter what, no matter who's in office, we are the power, sorry, we are the people that's in power. I'm sorry, I gotta give him a cool job for that, man, that was just profound. There we go. That's all. That, and you heard that from the Jigga man himself, man. But he's definitely right about that. The people are the power. If we're for the people, then we then we 
don't make then we as a people we we are the ones who make a nation basically without the people you don't have a nation and so that's something that a lot of leaders don't understand i feel like that's something like president obama understood because his whole campaign thing was yes we can back in 2008 uh, Donald Trump is a manipulator of that notion when he when he basically says the phrase "Make America Great Again," you know. So, uh, but with Jay Z saying that, I think that speaks volumes because he is on the outside looking in, so to speak. He is a man, so he, the average man, probably wouldn't see how attending a march or showing support of a march like that would benefit themselves. But at the end of the day, women are the creators of life, basically. You know, it takes two to tango, but at the end of the day, they are the ones who give birth, basically. They are the ones who birth the new generation, and they birth the new generation, so on and so forth. So it's most definitely important that you have to give women that respect and i think it's very important that women do show support for one another because we often joke around sometimes about how you know women don't get along and they're all catty and they always want to go at each other's throats they're always competing with one another yada 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 but when you see a march like this you see so many people you know unified as one then it's very refreshing to know that that is nothing more than a stereotype you know and i always tell people that a stereotype is a truth that's covered in propaganda. So sometimes it may prove to be true. Other times it just may be uh, word of mouth in a sense. But I'm glad that the women were able to unify and show support for one another, especially in this turbulent time where you have a guy who basically said on camera, grab her by the pussy, who is now your new president. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when Trump and Ivanka were walking into the office when they're uh, greeted, greeted by Michelle and Barack, Notice how Donald Trump just did a beeline straight to the Oval, straight to the White House, whereas he kind of left Ivanka by the wayside. He didn't even wait for her to to accompany him by side by side. He just really just walked straight ahead, you know. So that kind of shows you what he thinks of his own wife. You know, he kind of treated her like a side piece, basically. He's like, "Yeah, you're the drumstick. I'm looking for the chicken breast right now." That's basically what he said with that with that simple gesture, basically. So you know, I definitely think that the women's march is definitely important especially in this turbulent time that you have a womanizing cheat like Donald Trump as your president, basically. You know, I'm thankful that I live in Canada and that I don't have to deal with a politician as, you know, egomaniacal as a Trump, basically. So, and luckily for my prime minister, he is a feminist as well. So, hey, go figure, man. But what do you guys think about, you know, those words from Jay-Z of all people? You know, before I go into the next segment, actually, that kind of brings me to my next point. Hip-hop in particular has gotten a bad rap over the years because it's seen as misogynistic and everything in between, as if hip-hop are the ones who who created misogyny. You know what I mean? Even though it talks about misogyny in the Bible, this, that, and so forth. But, hey, that's none of my business. You know, let me sip some tea to that real quick. Excuse me. Tea time real quick. But, yeah, you know, hip-hop always gets a bad rap for that. I just love that Jay-Z, of all people, someone who has kind of contributed to that negative notion with such hits as Girls, Girls, Girls and Big Pimpin' and what have you, took that mature of a stance. And it shows you that hip-hop is evolving and also maturing. And it shows that Jay-Z, as an artist, as a business owner, as a husband, as a father is going through a maturation process. He has been going through a maturation process, and it shows that hip-hop's elder statesman can grow 
through that progress, basically. So all hope is not lost in the eyes of hip-hop when it comes to standing up for certain rights. Now, I feel like the next step, in my opinion, is for a lot of rappers to kind of get over their, not even rappers, but just hip-hop culture in general. Um, I know some people are, are well over that, but some people still have the stigma. But I think the next step in evolution for hip-hop as a culture is to get over the notion of homophobia. I mean, once they clear that off, then, you know, the sky's the limit for them. But what do you guys think? Um, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio or hit me up on the Facebook live video right now with your comments below and let me know what you guys think. Um, so next topic on the deck, man, we got to talk about the boy Jesse Drake. All right. Now, Drake was recently interviewed by Kentucky coach um, John Calipari on his latest podcast. Now, it was a 45 minute podcast and they were basically talking about an array of things, mostly things that are career-wise in the eyes of Drake. And one of the things that they talked about was acting. Now, as we all know, uh, Jizzy Drake began his career in entertainment as an actor, a child actor at that, on the hit show Degrassi. And basically, Drake was describing how he wants to take acting a bit more seriously again once he's finished with his musical obligations. So he said to this, uh, he said this to Calipari in a quote, and I quote, <clears throat> Acting is another thing that I just can't wait to really dive into. I think after I release More Life, which is the playlist I'm working on, and finish this tour, I think I'm going to really start to position myself in the acting world and hopefully take some great roles. Now, here's my thing with Drake as an actor. Um, I haven't really seen a lot from Drake to really uh, make me, you know, scratch my my curiosity bone so to speak when it comes to the acting now Degrassi was a long time ago I think he was done from the show in about 2007 or 2008 and then as far as other acting that he's done outside of that after Degrassi you know he has a couple of appearances on Saturday Night Live a couple of movie cameos here and there and he has at least shown his range for comedic acting. And I think Drake is a good sport when it comes to that. I think Drake has very good comedic timing. Now, that's not to say that he'll be the next uh, superstar stand-up comedy or anything like that. But I think if you put him into a, into a comedy role, I think he'll do very well for himself. He'll hold his own. Now, does he have the range to go beyond the realm of comedy? I don't know. We've seen him kind of go beyond that realm when he was in Degrassi. But that was when he was, what, 16, 17 years old. Fast forward, he's 30 years old now, so we haven't really seen him in that serious role yet. Now, for someone like, let's say, Jamie Foxx, for example, it kind of took him a while to kind of shed off that stigma of him just being known as the comedy actor. Because we, we've all known him from his early beginnings, from when he started on uh, In Living Color, and then he had his own sitcom series, The Jamie Foxx Show, and then he had a couple of movie roles where he was uh, in action comedy films. It wasn't until we got Ray the biopic film of Ray Charles that we saw Jamie Foxx as a more serious actor or that he could play the role of somebody serious in the film. And then from there on, he kind of got his acting credentials up and up and up, and then the rest is history. So I feel like if Drake follows the Jamie Foxx template, so to speak, then he'll be in good company. I think Will Smith is another good example as well because Will Smith was known as a comedic actor as well when he was in films like Karina Karina or Independence Day. He kind of made a transition to comedy, to action comedy, and then from there on it kind of led into the more dramatic films. Uh, I, there was another film that he was in, Six Degrees of Separation. That was before he blew up into an actor. He, I think he played the role of, of a gay individual. I haven't seen 
I haven't completely seen the entirety of that film, so I can't really judge his performance on that end. But I think if Drake is to tap into that more serious element of acting, I feel like Will Smith and Jamie Foxx are two recommended individuals to look at because they are ones who made that transition from comedy into into dramatic roles. And they kind of weaned their way from comedy to action comedy and then into that, basically. So I think Drake should take that template. Uh, and then we should be expecting that once more life drops and then his tour commitments end and then he kind of has enough time to do what he wants. As far as hip-hop is concerned, his mantle is already cemented. He is basically, you know, from the popular standpoint, the king of hip-hop, basically. And I think he's very content with that, and I think he wants to go on to other endeavors. And I'm curious to see what he does, basically. Um, some people may feel different about that, but hey, let's see what the boy got. But do you guys agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or hit me up right now on Facebook Live at Daniel Mante and let me know what you guys think. You can just drop a comment right below the video. And finally, on Trip Talk, we got to talk about Birdman. Now, you guys know Birdman is like the ultimate troll, basically, when it comes to this hip-hop thing right here. Because this guy is basically making some very serious accusations right not accusations but he's making some very bold claims right now so he's basically stating that his latest stooge young thug is the next michael jackson slash prince i know what you guys are thinking right now so how about this let's all just listen to this clip right here of what we're all collectively thinking why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Mm, oh my god. Stop fucking lying. I mean, am I wrong? Were we not all thinking that when I just said that? <laughs> for for Birdman to say that he is the next Michael slash Prince is to say that Donald Trump should be the next Nobel Peace Prize winner, basically. That... I've never heard something more egregious in my life than that comparison right there. I mean, it's one thing to compare Young Thug to Lil Wayne, for example. I mean, we can actually kind of see that just from an image standpoint at the very least. Maybe not in the lyrical ability, but from an image standpoint, fine, fair enough. But to compare him to Michael and Prince? You want to compare him to the, the, the almost godlike individuals that gave us Thriller and Purple Rain? You want to compare him to to the person who's who, the people who spawned a generation of entertainers to come before them? Prince was swagger personified before swag became a thing. Michael Jackson could sell out any arena with the utter name of his initials within 15 minutes. And you want to compare young men in black, alien, ant creature looking motherfucker to those two people? You have got to be out of your syrup-sipping mind if you are going to compare him to those guys of all people. Listen, Young Thug isn't even comparable to Tito. Tito got more talent than him. What do you mean? The hair grease that Jermaine Jackson used to put up in his head top has more talent than Young Thug. We're talking about a guy who dresses up in a dress for shock value and who has the, the body frame of that Somalian dude from Captain Phillips talking about, I am the captain now. No, he is not the next Michael Jackson or the next Prince. Stop this. He's not even a court jester. 
in, in the grand scheme of things. I was this close, this close to giving him the wankster of the week. But I said, nah, I'm going to let him live on this. But nonetheless, I'm going to shame him because of the fact that he had the audacity, the unmitigated goal, the nerve or the lack thereof to call him the next prince? Negro, please. I'm not even going to give this more attention. I'm going to let you guys decide. What do you think? Is he hepped up on Adderall for thinking that he's like the next iconic great in rap and music in general? You guys already know what to do. Let me know in the comment section below this video. And also hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore Cooler Cooler underscore Radio. This is absolute blasphemy. I'm surprised a lightning bolt didn't hit him in the middle of that big-ass, dumb-ass star tattoo that he has in his head top right now. Oh, God almighty. That was just, oh, that hurt me trying to announce that right now. But on to bigger and better things, ladies and gentlemen. I think, you know, it's time to get old school real quick. So on that note, I think it's time for the Throwback Thursday track of the day, all right? So we're going we're gonna to drop it because we need to hear some old school vibes right now. Now, normally I have the drop ready on the selector, but I don't, but it's okay. Because more importantly, I have the track ready to play for you guys. Now, on that note, in regards to the uh, new edition biopic that was produced by BET that's been shown on BET now. Mind you, I haven't seen it yet. I figure let's play one of their classics. Now, this one isn't really a new edition record per se. However, it does involve half of the members of new edition. And I am talking about the three-headed dragon known as Belle Biv DeVoe. And this is their all-time classic record, Poison. To all my dudes out there, and some of the ladies out there as well, never trust a big butt and a smile. And on that note, we will play that record for you during the commercial break. And after the commercial break, we have the Wankster of the Week. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. You're now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. Welcome back to the show, people. Um, if you guys aren't on Facebook Live right now, man, you guys are missing out on a good show right now. Uh, shout out to all the people who are tuning in right now to Facebook Live to watch this broadcast. Um, I might make a habit of this going into the future, so just give me some feedback on it. Let me know what you like, what you think, what you want to add on to it, and all that good stuff. But... With all that being said, before we bring the show to a close, it is that moment that you've all been waiting for. So with that being said, <clears throat> who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to Chicago rapper Chief Keef. Now, it's been a while since we've inducted him into the Hall of Shame, but the reason why he's going into the Hall of Shame this week is because of the fact that he orchestrated the assault and robbery of his former producer, Ramsey the Great. Now, the details are a bit shaky as to why this robbery was committed, but nonetheless, it was known that him and his fellow goons were the ones who orchestrated the hit, and it led to uh, assault on Ramsey as well. He was seen broadcasting a video 
on Instagram from his hospital bed, and you can see the multiple lacerations, wounds, and and contusions on his face, uh, just to name a few, basically. So he had a long-winded rant about the aftermath of the ordeal, basically, but he basically said, you know, I'm not a street guy. I never claimed to be hood. Mind you, this is Ramsey saying this, not Chief Keith. This is Ramsey, the victim. Uh, I'm not a street guy. I'm not hood. I'm just a producer. All I want to do is make music. I don't care what the hood has to say. Screw the hood. I'm a businessman. I'll see you in court. So first and foremost, let me just stand back real quick and give this man a standing ovation. Now, I'm doing that because of the fact that within hip-hop culture, people are scrutinized for not obeying the law of the streets or the code of the streets or what you want to call call it. This whole stop snitchy thing or whatever. Listen, if you, are not a, if you are a recording artist, then give up that gangster life. It's not worth it. You are now a businessman. You are an artist. Like, conduct yourself as one as Ramsey did. He probably decided to cut ties with Chief Keith because he wasn't about all this nonsensical thuggery that he was getting himself into. All he wanted to do was make music. For whatever reason, he had a vendetta out for him. He he took matters in his own hands, beat him up for whatever reason, robbed him, and now look at where he's at. You know what I'm saying? So I think for him, for Ramsey, good on him for you know taking this to the local authorities and seeing where they can go from there. Now, as for Chief Keith, this ugly, nasty-looking ragamuffin who has dried-up dreads that need more than shampoo and perp plus to get moisturized again, this guy, he is a total definition of a savage. Like, you look at him, you look at how he conducts himself, and you would think that this guy was raised by wolves or he was raised by Tarzan's mama in the, in the heart of the jungle, basically. This ugly, carry lotion-lacking person just needs he he needs to go away i don't know i don't understand why this guy has a fan base i don't understand why people love listening to this guy i don't know what it is about his music that's so infectious towards his fans but he's so destructive and to me he is a representative of, of chicago who is not helping the situation in chicago as far as the gun violence but he's adding to it it's not as if he's reporting uh, from a third-person perspective, and saying that this is the violence that's taking place in the city and this is what needs to end, this is glorifying it. He's actually spreading the word of the message. I'm surprised he wasn't in the Chirac film, you know, just based on how he kind of, you know, acts and goes about his business. But this guy, he's a he's really a menace to society. He is O-Dog. And I think this guy, he is one of the worst things to happen to hip-hop. And he's easily one of the worst things to happen to Chicago as a city. Because at the end of the day, he's the person who pushes that Chicago, that Chicago, that Chirac narrative. And he is the cancer of Chicago that needs to be cut from the body in order for Chicago to, to make a better step into improving the gun violence and gang activity that happens in the Windy City. So with that being said, Chief Keith, you are the wankster of the week. Your name should be Chief Wankster from now on. Chief Keith, Chief Week, whatever you want to call this dude, you're whack, you're lame, you suck as a rapper, you suck as a human being. Go suck yourself. Do you deserve the wankster? Of course you do. And I'm going to drop on you one more time just like this. And I'm saying all this stuff because I know you and your goons won't be able to cross past customs, bitch. 
And on that note, we actually end tonight's broadcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in through MaximumFM.ca and also through Facebook Live. As I said before, we will try and integrate Facebook Live more often uh, on the broadcast. So make sure you give me your feedback on it and please let me know what you think because I want to improve you know, the listening and viewing session for you guys and people. Uh, but on that note, we will be back next week as usual. Guest is to be determined, so I'll keep you filled in on that on the Lolo. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.